Hey guys, welcome to this fortnight's crypto catch up. Woo! Woo! Yeah, nice. Uh, I got myself, Pav. And got, Tommy. And we're here to yeah, just unpack what's been happening last couple of weeks in crypto and big shout out, I guess, to touch on the Australian Crypto Convention, which we both had the pleasure of attending. SwiftX, you know, gave us a good little boost there. Awesome. It was great. That was much fun. I mean, when you when you open the doors with the Lambo. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad start. Swift X sign and, and a Lamborghini kind of sitting underneath it. Is, uh, you know, it's always a good start <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Smell of petrol. We've got a couple of cool news items that we're really keen to dive into, actually. It's a really interesting one. We were kind of having a bit of a giggle setting these topics up today, but um, just some news around Ethereum and the SCC in particular. So we'll break that down in a second. Also, just to have a quick talk to, I guess, where a lot of the hash power has gone now that Ethereum has now moved to proof of stake. So some news there on Ethereum Classic and Ravencoin in particular. Fallout? Would you call it Fallout? Well, we're going to find out. Yeah, okay. right. We're going gonna, gonna to have yep. to find out, mate. Yep. And I guess, uh, yeah, lastly, we just want to touch on a lot of the key takeaways from the crypto convention, just shout out a few awesome people we, we had the pleasure of meeting. Podcast probably not long enough to shout out everybody. You know, no, so no. But I'm there. Some people over the last few days. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, yeah, just, just a cool little sort of whip around the room to chat about who we met there. But before we get started too far into that, we thought we'd just touch on the markets. What's, what's your thoughts? It's down. It's down. Really? The end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Matt, we, you know, we obviously seen a, a pretty sharp sell-off again since the ETH merge, pretty much. We've had a bit of a downtrend, right? So Bitcoin back, I think it slipped back to just over 18K. So we haven't seen that, you know, for about three and a half months. So kind of revisiting those lows. And then obviously Ethereum, we're going to kind of un- unpack that in, in a bit more detail. The market overall, I suppose, has, has taken a hit. Everything is pretty much reacting. If you look at the the kind of the monthly or the the thirty day, even the seven days, like everything is kind of down from kind of ten, twelve percent to you know twenty. 35% on some assets in, in mm. that top 50. So I guess we reached some kind of a pivot point. A lot of news stories happening around, you know, we have the FOMC, I think later on today, just some news came out around, you know, what the expected rates were and what these changes are going to look like. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty probably back into to the markets again, kind of coupled with, yeah, everything else that's happening globally. Yeah, I agree. It's very much on trend. Like we've called it out, I think the last three or four times this has happened that the week leading into the the FOMC meetings, we've seen a sell-off like this. So, you know, if you have been following us and been following the markets, this has just played out exactly the same as it has in the past. I guess the difference with this forecast is it is forecasted for 75 basis points, which is definitely on the steeper side. I guess the only thing I, yeah, I would totally agree, like definitely markets are down. Coin in particular has done a, a bit of a sweep of some lows, which generally is a bit of a sign that, you know, there are people buying it up, obviously, for it to have not continued to go down lower. So it's going to be an interesting lead up into this meeting, only because we've also seen it previously happen where the data came out, it was as expected, it was overall, you know, the sentiment was that we need to get inflation under control. But it must have been just the fact that they were honest and open that the market then rallied straight away afterward for two to three weeks. And we saw the biggest disbelief rally, I guess, for the year where no one could make sense of why are we rallying across all the markets. I think we've we've given up on trying to make sense of markets, to be honest. You know, we can we can shed color on it, but I mean, it it can it can go the opposite way for the absolute opposite reasons at at any given time. Right. Um, Absolutely. But I think 
for yeah. me personally, it just sort of sets up the tone of I'm not going to sort of make my mind up until the news comes out and see how the market responds. Everyone might be happy just to know that, yes, we understand it's a risk on tone. Everyone continues to take profit aggressively, but we'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, start to the next week, to be honest, when we get that weekly close in. Good to see the volume coming back in. Oh, like yeah. The volume indicators are all up across all exchanges, including SwiftX. Like we've seen yep. massive buy pressure coming back in. People are buying up that dip, limit orders being set. Like people are starting to layer those. I think Trader Trav calls it the, the, the um, puke levels. Yeah, the puke levels or like the stink buys or stink, something like that. Stink like buys, yeah. Basically, what what that is is just setting yeah. your buy orders so low that you don't think they'll ever hit them. And then, you know, I guess <laughs> holding your hands up to see if that it does happen, which is <laughs> just lick the <laughs> finger and put it in the air. Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. and it's, you know, there's a lot of people are in. They're setting those orders again. So like using the limit order functionality and getting it set for, you know, whatever happens next. But, mm. um, you know, I mean, anything under that 20K level has been a an area we've mentioned many times of significant buy pressure for coin especially. Yep. Um, you know, Ethereum's obviously pulled back 20-something percent since that merge, which, you know, was a successful merge. So, you know, a lot of people asking the question, which probably frames us up for the oh, nice first topic, Matt. Um, Mate, it's like you've done boy. a podcast before. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After a successful merge, the question I think people are asking is, why is Ethereum selling off after a successful merge? Is it not supposed to you know, go the opposite way? So, I mean, that's obviously something a lot of people are trying to cover at the moment. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot to break down there. I think we probably still need to give it a bit more time to see what the directional bias will be for something like Ethereum. But the piece that we've got to chat about today is the SEC sticking their nose in a little bit. So just to give some background to the change that has happened with the Ethereum network prior to it becoming now a proof of stake network, it was proof of work, uh, basically. Same as Bitcoin. Same as Bitcoin, bunch of miners all around the world. What's happened now is now that it's tuned to a proof of stake consensus, turns out that it's basically majority, I guess, held by four mega exchanges. So 45% of all Ethereum nodes, they currently now operate from the United States, which is huge. Yeah. Because Ethereum, as you know, its claim to fame is similar with Bitcoin. It's meant to be decentralized. Yeah. So, I mean... We, I think it's a big risk, yeah. to be honest. Like, yeah. not to be scaring people away from Ethereum holdings, but I think that centralization yep. based on those, you know, you said the mega exchanges holding pretty much, you know, I think it was well, 64% of ETH yep. is now controlled essentially by four big players. And, you know, 45% of it coming out of one region. So... We got to call it out. Like it's, yeah, it's an insight. You got to call it out for what it is. Doesn't mean that anything is going to happen in terms of price, but I think it's something that definitely has to be discussed. And you know, all of the, I guess, the hardcore Bitcoin people, and you know, all the people that are all for this, you know, decentralization and that movement. That's their biggest argument now, right? Ethereum Foundation has decided to make this change to proof of stake, which has in turn centralized Ethereum in in many aspects. And that's fair to call that too. Like none of us. You know, covering this merge leading up to today would have thought that this would be something to really call out and watch out for, right? It's just a side yep. effect now of just it playing out. Yeah, that's right. You can't predict it. I mean, there was a lot of at stake beforehand. Yep. You don't know how it's going to play out. And again, I think like you mentioned, like it is too early as well to mm. call. It only happened last week, right? So yep. it is too early to call what way it's going to go. That decentralization potentially you know, it flows over time. So that concentration of liquidity, a concentration of ETH, it does claim back its decentralization traits mm. over time. But what way is the market going to react in the meantime, I suppose, is what we're trying to frame. 
Yeah, exactly that. And we've all known the SEC that don't really worry too much about boundaries sometimes. They will just go after people. I think even the launch of a lot of the DeFi tokens that we have seen, if they can link it to a validator node that was within jurisdiction, they have gone after people in the past. I think it's more the precedent that sort of scares a lot of people off. I think to frame your point there, previously you haven't really had an owner or a main point of attack for Ethereum or, you know, Bitcoin obviously still doesn't have it. So that's why, you know, a lot of people hold that as the biggest pro point around owning Bitcoin. Now with this change is essentially they could go after, like you said, Pav, they can go after a couple of kind of central houses that hold a lot of the supply or that control a lot of the supply. So mm. they now potentially have an attack vector where they didn't have pre-merge. So, that's it. And yeah. the, because the validators now are on their soil, I mean, that's, yeah. again, jurisdictional again, power. Yeah. It, it creates an argument for it, at least. But to give people, I guess, some additional insights there, like uh, to sort of know how big the cliff really is. So yeah, like I mentioned, 45% of Ethereum nodes now operate on US soil. The second greatest density of nodes is in Germany with 19%. So it's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Absolutely. And the dominance of ETH's value, or you've been keeping an eye on that too. Yeah. So if you look back to, everyone remembers the December price, and it's probably the highest valuations that we've seen in recent time, December 2021. Yeah. Uh, we did get to a dominance. So if you consider the price of Ethereum and the market cap of Ethereum as a percentage of the total market cap, it got to as high as 22%. Post-merge, that number's gotten to 21%. And since then, it just looks like it's been falling away too. So it just sets up the sort of narrative that, you know, if, if you are in Ethereum, like it's probably a time to just be watching it a bit more vigilantly, work out what your plan is for it long-term potentially. But, you know, it, it sets up a bunch of scenarios. No one knows where this is going, but, you know, are we going to see flows go back into Bitcoin alone? Other L1s, maybe someone going into just, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to watch as well i think a bit of a, a narrative that continues to play out yeah i think it's worth calling out like just some of those companies like mm. you know it's obviously this is all publicly available information yes. anyway yeah, but it's I mean, all on chain yeah yeah like lido finance coinbase kraken binance these are some of the top four or five companies that now call that high proportion of staked mm-hmm. ethereum so i think it's it's good to call it out which kind of uh, leads me into the next topic as well Fav, yeah nice. is, you know yeah. we're talking about all right, Ethereum is now merged to proof of stake. Proof of stake yep. What's happening around the proof of work ecosystem and what are the knock-on effects there? So something that I think we agreed it was good to call out as well is what are the miners doing that they're not, you know, essentially mining the new blocks anymore for Ethereum? There's obviously a lot of resource, a lot of money. A lot of helmets, a lot, lot of pickaxes. Hel- exactly. So a lot of people yep. have spent many, many years working on Ethereum as a project. Not everybody supports and has supported the, the change to POS. So what are they doing next, I suppose? So we've, we're kind of just calling out that, you know, Ethereum Classic still exists, which is a proof of work project. Yep. We did see a pump in Ravencoin as well, which we, I guess we're trying to, to find out why. And, and, the, and the kind of the only thing we could hang our hat on there was the fact that there's a lot more support now for projects that are proof of work. And, and that there are two that we wanted to call out. Um, obviously, the merge has put an end to the need for miners to keep up that Ethereum network. Thousands of computers, a lot of resource, a lot of equipment that people have invested in. So those people are potentially looking at other projects to redeploy and start to work on. And I guess that's the story that we're kind of trying to frame from that that's angle. quite a few going on Gumtree too. I had a look last night. Gumtree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any good bargains on that? Um, well, yeah, there were. But I think we've also seen uh, those people that sort of do keep track of it too, just GPU prices. So graphic computing cards, they've 
halved and makes me shake my head that I bought one last year at double the price that it is now. But yeah, right. that's all again, like being sort of put to that whole supply demand loop, being a bit disturbed. But I think also we could just touch on it very quickly. I think people hear Ethereum Classic, they don't know what that's about. Yeah, I mean, Ethereum's already been through a hard fork, which essentially there's been... Um, it's like a vote. A yeah. vote or a, yeah. there's been a break in consensus. Yeah in Ethereum back in 2017, where they have Ethereum like everybody knows, and it actually forked into a new project for people that were on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. called Ethereum Classic. So Ethereum Classic still exists in its form today. Yep. Some people will argue Ethereum Classic is the original and best and everything else, right? Yeah. So sit on their own side the, of the camp. And the catalyst back then was a big hack, and a lot of people wanted to undo and return the money, and a bunch of people didn't because they thought it just violated the fundamental Correct. benefit. And that's where Ethereum Classic and Ethereum sort of parted ways. So yep. I think that'd be an interesting one to watch. So yeah. I guess people that truly believe in the proof of work system yep. and also truly believe in Ethereum as that project, like where do they go next? Well, Potentially Ethereum Classic is one of the ones that they look at. Mm-hmm. They may already be on it, but I mean, that's what we're trying to frame and with this kind of topic. And, you know, there's some other projects. I think, Pav, did you call out Beam? Yeah, Beam. Um, some other like proof of work tokens now. They've almost tripled in their hash power recently right. as well. So yeah, all, yep. again, these these miners, they've got to go somewhere. So yeah. they're just trying to find where they can get the most value. I think also like, you know, we always have this argument of Bitcoin versus Ethereum and the mm. flipping and all these things yes. that people like to talk about. The I think that argument is, kind of put to bed now. I was like, just thinking the same, man. comparing apples yeah. with apples anymore. Like, yeah. it really is, mm. it's, it, it has changed a lot. And I think it'll take a bit of time for it to probably sink into a lot of people of, you know, th- how much that means. Bitcoin in itself, it's got even more powerful, I guess, because of this change as well in terms of those proof of work networks. Because yeah. it, it has, I think Ethereum had like 18 to 20%, something like that. Really? Um, I'll check the stats again, but Ethereum had something like 18%, say, of the um, proof of work resource. You know, that all now has to be redeployed, as we're kind of saying. So it's, you know, it's all on the line now. It's all on, it's all on there. So it's going to be very interesting to see how, how the full effects of the merge come true and, you know, what other projects benefit from it and how it affects Ethereum and the markets. So hey, what a time to be alive. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're talking about the second biggest asset by market cap for quite some time now. So yeah, absolutely. It's a crypto conference, mate. It was, it was, a, good, it was a good time, oh, wasn't mate, it? it? So it was so good. Like I, yeah, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Neither. To be honest. Like I kind of went in. I've never really been to a like a big in- industry conference like it. Um, you know, destination event, Gold Coast, Gold Coast. Queensland. Yeah, sun was the out. Sun was out. Was the, good. the beach was on. Like yeah. I think it was a really exciting opportunity for mm. the Australian consumers and businesses to to get together. You know, man, in the middle of a bear market. You know, where everyone in this market's been kicked over, you know, for the last 10 months. Mm. You know, to get a turnout of over, I think they had over four and a half thousand people to attend that event is like, it it, it blew me away, to be honest, getting there on, on Saturday morning. It was, you know, it really was amazing. The buzz around the whole joint was amazing and everyone mm. was so friendly and, and open to, to chat. And it was like, um, you know, we met some great uh, customers and yeah. tapping into crypto followers. And I mean, it was just, yeah, I was, I came away so excited from yeah. that thing. The one thing I was wondering that whole time is, I know I would have done this, how many people had to tell their parents or family members and friends they were just going for a trip <laughs> to the Goldie and not why they were going to the Goldie. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to the Goldie. To <laughs> the weekend, um, definitely not going to a crypto conference. Yeah. I really don't even know what that is. Crypto what? Crypto what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, nah, it was good. It was really good. I, I was really blown away. It was really cool. Um, we got to sit down in the beanbags at the Swift X stand and do some interviews on the fly, which you know, we'll be cool. we'll pulling together an episode. Yeah. 
on yeah. some of the hot takes from there as well. And no, it was it was really, really good. You know, we had Michael Saylor as a headline. I mean, it's kind of Jesus kind of scenario. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, I mean, you you know, he um, one of my guess takeaways from him was, you know, he talked a lot about the opportunity within Bitcoin and payments and Bitcoin lightning and all these things. But one of the biggest things, I think, regardless of this market pullback we've seen, he kind of framed up how his business has performed since adopting that Bitcoin standard, right? Like since they started investing. What, the way he phrased it was, we were on a slow journey to the debt of the company, which mm. I thought was quite interesting for him to, to frame it like that. Mm. So we can either have a slow debt or we can have a fast debt. And <laughs> I guess the bet that he made or the decision that they made as a team or as a company was they're going to go to the Bitcoin standard. And, you know, he believed in what it was trying to do. Since then, their company is up 67%, regardless of the, you know, the market downturn. They're still up 67% since that time of adoption in 2019. Bitcoin's up 65%. Versus some of the companies that you will know and love, Pav, um, <laughs> like Apple are up 34%, so it's still doing pretty well regardless, S&P up 15 but then you go out to the likes of Netflix minus 50, Gold minus 17, and like Meta, Facebook minus 44%. Mm. So, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, was it a good idea for MicroStrategy to adopt the Bitcoin standard as of today's numbers? Yes, it was, you know, so, and a lot of people, he, you know, he gets thrown a lot of punches for being out there and, you know, I've been super aggressive on that strategy to continue to acquire more Bitcoin. But, you know, at the end of the day, since he started, the numbers didn't lie. Yeah, it drew, it drew a lot of people. But um, I think another thing that I was surprised to see, to be quite honest, a lot of people sort of think of it as a flash in the pan was a lot of the metaverse theme. There were yeah. quite a few people there to call out two of the big sort of displays that were set up, Alluvium yeah. uh, and TCG. Uh, Alluvium in particular had their game set up and so did TCG. I think TCG would have been an alpha, but Alluvium were basically priming users to their little auto battle off, which sure. in the next six months they'll be releasing a little bit more. We did get hear from them. So that was always interesting to see. I mean, one of the other topics that I've seen a fair bit, of, I guess a bit of a trend towards was like this tokenization of real world assets. Yeah, yeah, I didn't quite get a chance to catch that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been at a couple of events recently where um, a company called Be For Real, shout out to, to Todd Pierce, who's the main man kind of driving that forward. You know, they're essentially like looking to um, get into the property lending leveraging kind of property to get access to liquidity, staking and, and this kind of thing. So kind of really bringing those real world property essentially onto the blockchain and creating this ecosystem around it. So it's a really, really exciting project. I would tell anyone to go and, you know, have a look mm. on it, look at, and do their research on it and, and check it out. But that's just one. I mean, there was a lot of great projects at the event. Did you want to touch on the market movers? Man, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Okay. Obviously, a lot of volatility that we just sort of framed up a bit earlier. But yeah, look, I mean, for the punters at home, uh, we've got Vibrate, which is up a, just a cruisy 599% in the last 14 days. Well, QLC chain, QLC up 295%, YB up 200%. I'm not even going to try and attempt to yep. answer why these things are doing what they're doing. They're just low caps doing what low caps do. Yep. But um, yeah, look. So they're all ranging. They're, they're all, all range. kind of ranging from like, 500 by market cap to like a thousand by market cap. Yeah, so, you know, super low caps just pumping off of some sort of movement of just market cap essentially. Yeah. But I think one thing just to call out that we did sort of mention last time was the ADA hard forkers this week. So yeah. Cardano fans would love that. Basically just an upgrade to make their sort of solutions in the smart contract space a lot more robust and a lot more faster and more capable. So that's happening towards the end of this month as well. So I just want to mention that too. I've been copping a lot of shit online actually, that guy. Huskin, oh, Huskin. He always attracts it every now and then. Yeah. It's weird. He's a bit of an outlandish character, I suppose, mm. but um, a bit eccentric. I mean, you know, 
solid projects, right? We talked about it in the last podcast. So well. roadmap hasn't changed. Roadmap hasn't changed. They continue to kind of roll it out. Like, yes, there's yep. been delays, but I mean, that's, you know, it seems to be across everything. If you, if you judge common. Ethereum on its delays, yep. well, then, you know, it wouldn't have ever done anything. So Correct. And they pulled off probably one of the biggest engineering feats in crypto to date. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is which is crazy. Now, I think that's everything for this week. It was obviously been great to catch up again. And yeah, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks to frame it up for you guys. Yeah, it was good catching up. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone. Catch you next time. See you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 